Welcome to the Mount Olive Baptist Church podcast. I'm Pastor Carl Stokes. We appreciate you being here today with us. Our desire is to preach the Word of God effectively and clearly so that you can understand God's desire for you in your life. Turn with me in your Bibles, if you would, to... Ephesians chapter 5 once again. Ephesians chapter 5 is where we're uh, looking today. Again, at at our Scripture. Ephesians chapter 5. Join with me in prayer, if you would. Dear gracious Father, Lord, we thank You so much for the privilege of coming into Your house, of allowing Your Word to wash over us and to uh, just allow us to have the opportunity to, uh, to hear Your a desire for us and your heart for us. And Lord, I pray that you'll bless and be with us as we seek to to do our utmost for your glory and honor. And Lord, we just thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Today we're looking at uh, God's plan for husbands. Ladies, finally you got off the hook. And uh, no longer are we uh, focusing on you, but now... Now we got. To, now we get to lay it in hard to the men, right? <laughs> uh, we get to we get to see what God's plan is for the other side of the equation. And today I want to just talk to you a little bit about uh, what love means and what uh, love is, because uh, when you're dealing with men, sometimes it's hard to 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 really understand uh, the significance of love. And so. Uh, uh, just some thoughts on love. When In a survey that was done not too long ago about uh, love, uh, one of the things that a lot of uh, uh, reporters or a lot of people in the news or, or in newspapers like to do is sometimes they like to, to go and talk to children as uh, to ask them what they think about things as they're learning about these things. And uh, obviously, uh, uh, there's some humorous uh, uh, understandings of things uh, coming from children. Uh, they ask these children, uh, how do people uh, in love usually behave? Wendy, who was eight years old, said, uh, when a person is kissed for the first time, uh, they fall down and don't get up for at least an hour. Okay, and and they asked, why do people fall in love? Andrew, age six, says, well, uh, one of the people has freckles, and they go out and find another person with freckles, and that's that's what love is. Uh, uh, they asked, uh, what is falling in love like? John, who is nine years old, said, it's like an avalanche. You you have to outrun it. Uh, you run it for your life. <laughs> Glenn, who was seven years old, said, If falling in love is anything like learning to spell, I don't want to do it. It takes too long. (laughs) Gavin, age eight, uh, was asked about uh, love, and he said, Love will find you even if you're trying to hide from it. I've been trying to hide from it since I was five, but the girls keep finding me. (laughs) Okay. So love is something that is uh, part of our... Uh, life. It is part of what God blesses us uh, as His people uh, with love, and love is something that is to be cherished. And unfortunately, uh, we have some adults that probably think about love in the same sense as, as uh, some of these children do. But uh, love is supposed to be something that is uh, 
to be cherished and something that is to be a part of our life as a gift of God. Uh, but uh, God tells us in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, it says, In the last days, difficult times will arrive, uh, or difficult times will come. And along with that, uh, we have a description of, of how... Uh, men are in the last days. And we're not talking about just men as in a gender, but mankind. It says in uh, Scripture, it says men will be lovers of their self, lovers of money. Uh, they'll, be, um, they'll be covetous. They'll be boastful. They'll be proud, blasphemers, be disobedient to their parents. They'll be unthankful unholy, without natural affections, truce breakers and false accusers, incontinent, fierce uh, despisers of those that are good, traitors and heady and high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof from such turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into the house and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with diverse lusts, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of truth. Boy, I tell you what, if that last one doesn't fit our world and society today, ever learning but never understanding truth. Lo, uh, you know, our relationship to each other is supposed to be that of someone who is uh, loving. And that word unloving there is uh, a word that is astorgai. It is to lack normal family love. And, and what happens is, is that uh, people begin to, to think of only themselves. It seems like in our society, in our world today, it's more about me than it is about we. It's more about, hey, look at me, look at what I'm doing, look at all the food I'm eating, look at the places I'm going, look at, the, uh, look at all the things that I'm doing. And, and personally, I don't want everybody in the world to know all my business. But I, but for some reason, some people have this tendency of wanting to uh, to get their phone and go like this, and and uh, they're constantly looking at themselves. Boy, I tell you what, I uh, to be honest, I get done in front of the mirror as quick as I can in the mornings. I can't stand seeing myself that long, and I can't understand people that love seeing themselves that much either. I, I just don't understand it, but. Uh, marriage is something that has come under attack in our society, in our world. Uh, at one time, and and back in the about twenty twenty five years ago, in the nineties and the eighties, uh, it was still a given that ninety percent of the of our population would get married at some point. In the last twenty years, that has dropped nearly half. Uh, people are putting off getting married more and more until much later in their life. And many people just simply uh, not getting married at all uh, because uh, they, they say, well, what's the use in it? Because why? Because over 50% of all marriages end up in divorce. I've seen people who've lived together for 20 plus years in, their, uh, in a 
in a relationship that uh, really they should have gotten married, but as soon as they got married, everything just fell apart and they wound up getting divorced soon after. It doesn't make sense. It does. Uh, in fact, the the one thing that can be typified of this is is that uh, people more and more nowadays are are doing things like prenuptial agreements on not just how how their finances will be split up when they divorce before they even get married. Now they're talking about what they're going to do when they get divorced, but in these prenuptial agreements. Uh, nowadays they're including even behaviors as to how how many times they're going to go out on dates after they get married, what uh, the man's going to do, what the woman's going to do, all these different obligations anymore. Any anymore, a relationship has become a contractual thing rather than love. Marriage is in trouble. Marriage is, is going through a, a great decline, and men dominating women. Uh, and suppressing them and controlling them is a sign of our natural self, our, a sign of the sinful self that was affected by sin. And in ladies and in women, uh, the tendency is to try and to uh, dominate a man and to control a man and to, uh, to be authoritarian over a man. If you notice... Our natural inclinations are the opposite of what God wants us to be. Opposite of what God desires for us to be. Uh, As we've looked in Ephesians now, and as you have uh, heard me talk about the last couple of weeks, uh, we have to have a Spirit-filled life. We have to have a life that is filled with God's Spirit. And part of that uh, Spirit of God is, is not only a joyful life, a life that is filled with, uh, with enjoying the, the, the relationship that we have with God and, and a, a, a life that's filled with delight and, and a service to God, but it's also a life that is uh, filled with our desire to serve God. And we see that as we have a Spirit-filled life and a joy-filled life and as our life is, is changed and transformed, it transforms the relationships that we have. And that's why when we got to this passage of Scripture in Ephesians chapter 5, that it all begins with that uh, wonderful phrase that so many people overlook uh, after it says uh, that we're not to, uh, to allow things in the outside world to influence us, uh, but it says that we are, in verse 21, as it starts talking about relationships, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. All of this is based on our mutual submission. And that's what uh, we talked about last uh, last couple of weeks when we talked about the relationship of the wife and the responsibility of the wife. God has given us a hope in His design for marriage. It is a, a, a hope that's found in that mutual submission. It is a hope that's found in, in living a life that is spirit-filled, filled with joy, rejoicing and being obedient to God. And then we come to the, the obligations, the obligations after we are to submit one ourselves to each other. Wives, you're to submit yourselves to your husbands, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and He is the Savior of the body. 
Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, let uh, so let the wives be uh, to their own husbands and everything. That's how far we've gotten. Now, husbands, verse twenty-five. Husbands, let let me let me explain something to you. And if you didn't notice this, how many verses talked about wives? About three or four, right? How many verses talk about husbands? One. One. Let me tell you something. It's not because it's a much easier task for men. Look at what men are to do. After women are, are, are called upon, uh, now the Christian woman <laughs> is to live in submission towards her husband by submitting to the authority that Christ has uh, established over her as uh, submitting to her husbands. It says in verse 25, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave Himself for it. This is a clear rule for men. We are to love our wife as Christ loved the church. Colossians chapter 3 verse 19 says, Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. We're not to be petty. We're not to be tyrannical. Uh, This is an attitude of having not love. But when we love our wife, when we love our wife as God has called us to love, it is a sacrificial love. It is a love that that is overwhelming in a desire to, uh, to do everything in His power and His might to love our wife. We're to love our wife sacrificially. That's a revolutionary concept for the time in which Paul's writing this uh, to the church at Ephesus. Uh, to be quite honestly, it, it's a revolutionary concept even today. In the time in which Paul was writing this, women were considered not much more than chattel. Uh, and if you're not familiar with what that means, it's talking about women were seen as a possession, something to be uh, uh, to be seen as a part of, like today would be a start, stock portfolio or uh, uh, an asset that you list on your uh, 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 ledger before listing all your liabilities. Uh, A woman in that time had no uh, say in anything. She was basically dominated. Very very little difference between that of a slave and that of a woman. And I listen, don't blame me. Don't throw rocks at me because of of how women were treated back then. I had nothing to do with it, uh, by the way. I I wasn't alive at that time. But uh, women were seen as not much more than a possession and listen, if you want to see a little bit of indication, I don't know if you, y'all keep up with the news or not, uh, but in the news last week, I read an article about uh, a, uh, a man in Afghanistan who sold his daughter who was nine years old or five years old, one of the two, either way it was obscene, to another man because he and his family had, didn't have money to survive. And by the way, this wasn't the first daughter that he had sold. He had sold another daughter that was a little bit older uh, not too long before that because they were trying to survive. And he said if they don't survive and aren't able to make it in a couple of... uh, uh, Whenever the money runs out, he has another daughter that's two years old that he would sell as a child bride. You want to think of what it's like to live during the time in which Paul uh, was writing this. That is the kind of mentality. A mentality from a, an era uh, 
a thousand years ago. It's unbelievable the thought of the fact that a father would sell his daughter, let alone how a child would be treated that way. It's bought and sold as a commodity. And here God is telling us, men, you are to love your wife sacrificially, not to be seen as a possession, not as something to be dominated, not something, uh, someone who is to be controlled or to be uh, uh, treated and mis- uh, mistreated, but to sacrificially love. He says, husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church. Well, how did... How did how did God how did Jesus treat his relationship for us? Sacrificially, he gave his life for us. He laid down his life and was willing to give of himself completely for us. In fact, uh, uh, think about how God has loved humanity, loved mankind, loved all of creation. It says, while we were yet in sins. Christ died for us. In spite of our sin, in spite of our our out and out rebellion against God, while we were still at enemies with God, God loved us enough to send His Son. That's the kind of love that men are called to love towards their wife, to love sacrificially, willing to lay down their life for her despite how she acts, despite how she treats you, in spite of the fact that she burns your toast or mistreats you or or does something so egregious to you. In fact, we're given an example of how God loves us through the through the uh, uh, actions of the prophet Hosea. If you go back in the Old Testament and read through Hosea, God comes to Hosea and He says, I want you to take a wife of prostitution. And He goes and He finds Gomer. She's already a, a woman who is uh, in, in prostitution and He goes and takes her as a wife and He cleans her up. He does everything, lavishes upon her all his, of His possessions and does everything to, to get her uh, cleaned up and reformed and, and made nice uh, and, and restored to her beauty and restored to uh, the, the, uh, the elegance that is her. And then what does she do? She goes back out into her prostitution way. She goes back out and, and uh, goes from lover to lover and she goes back out and, and selling herself for money. And then she's stripped naked and put on an auction block to be sold off as a, as a, uh, as a, a prostitute slave. And God tells Hosea, go and, go and purchase her. And Hosea goes, in spite of the fact that he is her husband, he pays for her, buys her off of the auction block, takes her back in, restores her, bathes her, restores her beauty, lavishes upon her His love once again. And God tells Hosea, that's the image of my love for my people Israel. That's the image of God's love for you today is that He sees you in all of your ugliness. He sees you in all of uh, 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 the, uh, the sinfulness and all the, uh, the wretchedness 
of your actions. And He loves us despite that. And He, le- he cleaves to us. Men, that's the kind of love that you're supposed to have for your wife. That's the kind of love that God is calling men to have for those that He has entrusted to you and has called to be come alongside of you. That's the kind of love that we're to have. Because I told that lady, as I, I remember, I told you the story of going out to Salt Lake City and and being there for the convention where they updated the. The, the Baptist faith, the message, and, and that lady just was incensed at me because of what we were saying, or what she had believed that we were saying about women in our statement. And I said to that woman, listen, you need to understand, the men have a greater responsibility. We're to love our wives with such a, a deep and abiding love that it goes beyond a simple act of obedience or a submission. It goes so far beyond that. Men, we're called on to have the kind of love that is considerate, that is uh, uh, considered of the fact that, that, as the Bible says, that uh, women are of the weaker vessel. If you turn over to 1 Peter chapter 3, you, it says in, in verse uh, 6 that Sarah obeyed Abram calling Him Lord, whose daughters ye are, as long as ye do dwell and are not found, (coughs) excuse me, not afraid with any amazement. Likewise ye husbands, look in verse 7, Likewise ye husbands dwell with them according to the knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. We're to have the consideration of the fact that uh, the Bible says that the woman is a weaker vessel. There are certain things that that we traditionally have not expected women to do. One of those is to go out in a battle and fight in in a war. Unfortunately, that might be coming to a change uh, because of some uh, uh, views of, of women that are prevailing today. But uh, aside from that, it's not to say that a woman is not capable of doing certain things, but that it is the heritage of the home that is to be protected. Uh, the reason that, uh, that from time to time we <coughs> nations go to war <coughs> excuse me, is to protect the home and hearth, to protect the ability to continue as a society to protect those things that, that we cherish. And, and what we cherished as a society for so long was the love that we have for our wives, the love that we have for our families, the love that we have for our daughters, and not wanting to place them in a place where they could be harmed by others. It was an act of love, not an act of, of chauvinism or an act of uh, believing that men are bigger and better or whatever than women. It's a matter of the fact that we uh, they're cherished, a consideration of the fact that they, uh, they are a weaker vessel to be prized, to be cherished, to be lifted up. And that, uh, there's also an understanding of the fact that Women are, are to be treated with chivalry, uh, uh, an act of honor. Unfortunately, chivalry is something that, uh, that is kind of waning more and more nowadays. 
when I was coming along, I was taught, well, uh, when, you, uh, when you go out on a date with a lady, you treat her uh, with great respect. You open the doors for her. You, uh, you do things to show her respect. Hold the chair for them when you sit down at the table. Well, I tell you what, that's hard to do in a society in a world where the women don't expect that and don't, a lot of them don't want it. It's hard to do when, uh, when uh, uh, you go to open a door for a young lady and she's already gotten out of the car. Or you go to open the door. at a, uh, I, I, I do that uh, for, for ladies at work even today. I, uh, am I, as I'm going out the door, if there's someone else behind me, uh, I, I hold the door open because that's just what you're supposed to do. It's, it's an act of chivalry, not just towards a, a spouse, but towards anyone. Just, a, uh, just an act of kindness and, and of showing yourself to be honoring other people. We're also, thirdly, to, to have a com, a, a communion. Treat your wife, treat your spouse as equals. There's where the equality is restored after uh, the, the mandate by God for a woman to submit to her husband and a husband to love his wife. Uh, the, the responsibility is, is to have that communion of equals to be come, come together and to share in what God has created, that love. What is Christ's standard? Well, Christ loves, uh, we're called to love our wife as Christ loves the church, as it says. Christ loved the church so much uh, that He gave His life, but we also have to understand that we're called to love her despite uh, what we can get out of it. You know, so often we think about, well, you know, this is what I've got, this is, this is how I... I uh, this in today's society, in today's nomenclature, this is how I roll, babe. You know, uh, uh, we've got certain things that that we hold, and, and we, we look, look. This is my woman here. Look, and and we're to look. We're called to love our wife, not because of what she can do for us, but because of how we can express our love to her. We're to show a love towards our spouse, towards our wife, not about what we deserve, not about what she deserves, but uh, we're to love in a way that goes beyond that. Look, Christ loves the church, gave Himself for us, while we still had sin in our life, while we still were rejecting God, while we still were at arm's length to God, while we were deep in our sin, we st- uh, still Jesus Christ went to the cross for us. And that kind of love is the kind of love that we're to have for our wife. We're to have a love that's not about, well, is she a gourmet cook? Is she uh, someone who keeps the house clean? Uh, is she uh, uh, look like a supermodel or, or a, a, a Sports Illustrated swimsuit model or whatever it might be? But we love our wife because of what our love is for her regardless of those things. In spite of those things, in spite of, of how she acts, in spite of the way she, uh, she acts, um, the Bible says that, that 
God set His affection upon us. And that means that, look, God desired, God destined to love us before we were even created. How little do you have to, uh, to be a part of the equation then? You weren't even... None of creation was created yet, and yet God desired to love us and was willing to sacrifice for us. Because how do you say you say how in the world do you get there? Now I brought this up before. Uh, it's my belief and it's my contention that that God, knowing all things, knows and knew before creation that man would mankind would sin. Knew before creation that mankind uh, would require a savior. Knew before creation that 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 we would need to have a relationship with Him restored through the sacrificial gift of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. And in spite of all of that, He also understood and knew that some would love uh, return that love and some would not. But in spite of all of that, God still loved us enough to say, let there be light. In my opinion, that's the height of love is that God was willing to go through with it, uh, with creation knowing all of that before it even happened that He demonstrated His love. Just by saying, let there be light, He set into motion the steps that would, uh, that would necessitate giving of Himself, giving His Son to die on the cross of Calvary. But all along giving us the freedom to choose how we would choose, God still knew... God still, you know, there's a lot of people that are hung up with, uh, just don't understand, don't know how. How is it that God knows? Look, it's something beyond us. But listen, as a parent, you know for a fact that if you leave a cookie on the table, your child's going to come along and eat the cookie. You know those things, or whatever it might be that's a, a characteristic of your child. You just know that if if <coughs> you leave them long enough alone, they're going to do certain things. Big brothers are going to punch uh, their little sister. Uh, uh, Little sisters are going to cry and pull the big brother's hair. Whatever it might be, those things are just going to happen. You know it's going to happen even though you you don't tell them that uh, uh, you don't tie them down and, and, and trying to keep them from doing things. You just know those things are going to happen. And in the same way, God knew from beginning, before time ever existed, that there would be sin in this world. That He would give of Himself, He would empty Himself of the glory that was in heaven of being God and, and having all of creation worshiping Him, that He would divest of Himself His Son to go to the cross of Calvary and live as a human being for His whole life so that He might be able to go and pay the penalty for our sins. And this is the kind of love that we are to demonstrate each and every day, a sacrificial love, a love that, that isn't based on what we can get, a love that is, is typified by the, uh, the, the passage of, uh, from 1 Corinthians. It's a passage that everybody loves to, to read at uh, uh, a wedding saying love is patient, love is kind, love is not jealous, and 
uh, jealous and does not brag and love is not arrogant and love does not act unbecoming. Love does not seek its own and love is not provoked. Love does not take into account wrong suffered. Love does not rejoice in unrighteousness but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things. And despite all those things, love continues to abide. We are to have that, that type of love towards our, our wife. Well, what's the one thing that can destroy all of that? What destroys marriages? What causes conflict in, in a relationship? The one thing that is not typified by the love of God, and that is unforgiveness. The one thing that destroys a marriage is, is a husband that's unwilling to forgive his wife, a, 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 a husband or a wife that keeps records or, uh, of wrongdoing, a, a marriage that, that accumulates a list of wrongs, a, a retaliation and revenge for, uh, for things that are done one against the other. That's the opposite of love. Men, we're to love our wife as God loved the church. And uh, you need to ask yourself this one important thing when thinking about this Scripture. Men, when's the last time you did something sacrificial for your wife? Now, I did not say when was the last time you sacrificed your wife. That's not the idea that we're... We're not supposed to be thinking about that. When was the last time you did something sacrificial for your wife? You want to show love towards your wife that will just cause her to melt in your hands? Not that you're trying to manipulate her, but listen, if you want to show her you really love her, do whatever she asks you to do. Man, even if that means cleaning the house or vacuuming, dusting. Boy, you want to show your wife your lo- you love her? Be willing to do something like that. Something, turn off the, the game in the, right in the last minutes of the, of the game when the, uh, the, the game is on the line. Turn that TV off and go and do something for her. Rub her feet. You your mind. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's what society says. Do something sacrificial that says, I'm not the number one in my life, but I'm here to demonstrate my love for you. Be sacrificial. Then, lastly, our love is to be a purifying love. Listen, you're not doing all these things to to build her up and to give her a big ego. God in His love for us in spite of all the things that we did against Him, His love, His sacrificial love was to a love to purify us. The Bible says that, that God, God's desire is to present the church as a spotless bride without blemish. That's the desire of God. And at the end of, of time, when everyone stands before God, God's desire is to demonstrate His love by presenting you a spotless bride. 
without blemish or blot. What that means is is that through His love, He was able to, to change and transform you into the creation that you were designed to be. According to His love, He so changed and transformed your life. No longer do you have all the sin in your life. No longer are you filled with the vile and and the filth of this world, but you're filled with His love and filled with His character that you're spotless and pure. Not that it's something you've done, but something that God has done in you. Men, our love for our wife is not only to simply love her in a sacrificial way, but a love that builds her up, a love that encourages her, a love that helps her to be closer to God, a love that that she understands is a demonstration of God's love in your life and how God can love her and lift her up and to be the bride that she is designed and created to be. Man, it just gives me goosebumps to think about God's love for us. And by demonstrating that kind of love towards our wife, we're becoming that much more like Christ. We're getting that much closer to emulating and being like Christ, the call that we've been desiring to have in in our life all along what Paul has been building up to all the, throughout this. <coughs> Excuse me. We're going to get into more detail in how we demonstrate this, not just between husband and wife, but towards our children and towards those that we do business with. And all of that is essential to demonstrating the love of God because, look, God is not a respecter of persons either. He loves the Jew and the Greek. He loves everyone in the same way. God uh, God did not segregate His love just for the called uh, children of Israel, but for everyone. It's open to all. And that's how our love is to be, not just simply between... uh, Now, the greatest love is to be uh, between our husband and wife, but we're to also demonstrate this kind of love attitude towards our children, towards our neighbors towards uh, our, our co-workers, to everybody that we encounter. And in doing so, we demonstrate the love that is in God's holy word. Because guess what? When you start doing those kind of things, people say, hey, there's something different about you. Not different as in, you know, one of these crazy people, but different about you. What is it? Folks, if you're not having that kind of attitude towards others and demonstrating that kind of love, you're missing the mark of being a Christian all along. It's about our witness towards others and being like Christ. And so, Father, we just thank You for Your great love and we thank You for the the great joy that is found in You. And Father, we thank You for the privilege of being Your people and And the fact that You loved us before we became Christians, before we became followers of Yours, before we started rejecting the things of this world and the sins of this world, You loved us and and You desired to, to demonstrate Your love towards us in an ultimate fashion that goes beyond our wildest dreams. Lord, we thank You for Your great love. And Lord, we pray that 
that you would help us all to aspire to, to have that love within our life and to demonstrate that love towards others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.